Joining us today is Justine Cornelson, an agronomy specialist with the Canola Council of Canada, to give us an update on the canola crop and the impact of the heat wave this week. The challenging thing to try to to quantify, um, we've got a lot of work on, you know, what heat does during the flowering period, but a lot of our crops are just coming into that flowering or that bloom stage. Um, So there's a little bit of uncertainty right now and what that's going to do to some of these younger uh, stages. Uh, What we want to kind of focus in on and, and where a lot of the literature points you to is in the hormonal response. So, right, things start to shut down and slow down. So there's not a lot of great work to say what types of yield loss we might be seeing from heat at those early stages. Um, When the crop moves into bloom, um, you know, we're very familiar here within Manitoba what heat blast does. So right where we, within that bloom stage where the the blooms fall off of the plant, uh, they're kind of cooked right off and, and that results in no pods. Um, what we typically see, and, and a lot of this research doesn't go hot enough for what, you know, some of these temperatures, and especially in Alberta, what they're seeing, you know, with these almost 40 degree temperatures. But, you know, with those, uh, well, any temperatures over that about 28 to 29 degrees Celsius is going to cause some, some stress on that plant. That's just for the daytime. And, and so we are going to be seeing that. Um, when we look then, we also have to uh, assess what those overnight loads are going to be. Uh, the plants are, are resilient, and if it can cool off overnight, um, they will bounce back from that heat during the day. Um, but so if, if we can cool off to under that, I think it's around the 16-degree mark, uh, those plants will recover. Uh, one other huge factor uh, that plays uh, an effect here is, is what we have for precipitation. Um, you know, we are very dry already in, in most areas across the province. Um, you know, some scattered, some showers, any sort of precipitation throughout this, uh, this you know, hot period will help relieve some of that stress as well. Um, but it, it's not overly promising just looking at what the forecast is coming up in the next week. How's the crop looking at this point? You know, it's, it's amazing. We have had, had some, you know, scattered showers here and there, and the crop is progressing. You know, we finally have kind of left flea beetles behind, and, and that, that crop is starting to grow and, and cabbage out. Um, you know, there's pockets of some really nice crops and, um, and, and on the other end, there's some ones with some really patchy emergence and some holes and, and those fields are starting to progress and, and fill in. Um, uh, one of the biggest things moving forward is for growers is looking at, um, you know, making that sclerotinia uh, fungicide application decision. Uh, right, there's a lot of factors there that are are not adding up uh, for an application just on how dry it is and, and how patchy some of those fields are. So that yield potential is, is already reduced a little bit. Um, but yeah, it, like I said, in the next week or so with this heat, that's really going to kind of determine what type of canola crop we're dealing with. Is now the time to, that we're starting to see, you know, spraying as well? Or yeah, you know what, some growers are going ahead. I've heard of a little bit happening in the Winnipeg area. Um, lots are waiting to make that decision. And, and with sclerotinia, right, that optimal timing for a fungicide application is when you've got the most blooms on the plant. Um, so like the bulk of our acres are just kind of getting into that period, um, but applications go down from that 20% to 50% bloom. Um, but like I said, you, go, you have to go through the factors. So looking at, you know, your crop density, looking at the precipitation within the forecast and also the moisture leading up to flowering. Um, typically, we need that, that um, soil surface to be wet or damp 10 days leading up to canola blooming just to get the, the Applicacia 
um, to, to get or to start producing spores to create this disease within the crop. Um, so a lot of those conditions just have not been there. Uh, our humidity, for, for the most part, has been relatively low in, in areas across Manitoba. Um, we're just starting to see a little bit now as we move into more thunderstorms and things like that, but overall humidity has been low. So when you're walking in that canopy, you don't have that moisture throughout it, um, you know, even in the mid-afternoon. So this is a little bit of a, a different realm for us here in Manitoba because we typically deal with um, fairly high, you know, high moisture situations with lots of humidity. Um, so like I said, it, it's just to go through that checklist and, and assess if an application is warranted or not. That was Justine Cornelson with the Canola Council of Canada. Continuing on today's Prairie Eggwire, we're joined by Dan Bossy with Egg Resource Company in Chicago to talk about this week's USDA updated crop acreage report. Dan started off talking about corn acres. We saw 92.7 million acres of corn planted. Uh, that's uh, going to be up uh, somewhere in the vicinity of 1.6 million acres from what was expected back in March less than what the trade was expecting. They were looking for around 94, so that number was seen as generally bullish. The vast majority of those acres are all closed, clustered in the northern plains in Minnesota. So there's a little concern about those extra acres being in the area of drought, at least in the central U.S. What about soybeans? Soybean acres came out exactly unchanged from where March intentions were, 86.7. Uh, traders were looking for closer to 89 million acres, so you know, not the big gains that were expected there. Combined U.S. corn and soybean acres, 180.3, near the record. But I think what this is telling us, Corey, is that even though farmers had a very favorable spring and very high prices and profitability, we have seen urbanization kind of cut into U.S. farmland acres. And this may be about as big as it gets, 317 million acres for all U.S. crops combined going forward. What did we see for uh, wheat acres? Well, the wheat acres came in a little over 46 million acres, uh, up uh, 2.9 from last year. But uh, again, spring wheat acres probably will be adjusted downwards on a harvested basis due to all of the drought uh, seen within uh, that area. 93% of the U.S. spring wheat acres are now under drought. Condition ratings are very low. We expect farmers to uh, see failed acres, in other words, where they just uh, collect crop insurance rather than going forward with the harvest operation. But nonetheless, a little negative on, if you will, on wheat acres, uh, but not overly so relative to the spring uh, production numbers that are being talked about in the industry. And the uh, USDA also published its uh, quarterly grain stocks report this week. Um, What did we see in that report? Well, the grain stocks on all three products, corn, wheat, and soybeans, came under slightly from what traders had expected. U.S. corn stocks, a little over 4.1 billion bushels. That was uh, down about 12 million bushels from what traders were discussing. Uh, soybean stocks, 767, down about 22. Uh, wheat stocks at 844 defined where we were at the end of last year's crop. So that number also a little under the 860, which was forecast. It looks like feed residual use in corn was, you know, down about 882 million bushels. So high prices did weigh on the feed profile, at least in the United States. Soybean residual, uh, really nothing there that would give us any indications of last year's crop size. So, In a general sense, uh, it really pushed a lot of emphasis here on Mother Nature and how we're going to see rainfall in the months of July and August going forward. We just don't have any room for falls in U.S. corn and soybean production relative to old crop stocks being so tight. That was Dan Bossy with Egg Resource Company in Chicago. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca.
I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return next week on the Golden West Farm Network.